Hello, my name is David Johnson, and welcome to the Art of Covid chat. We're talking with artists who work in the Fens region about the work and the challenges they face during the pandemic of 2020 and 21. So we have two artists, uh, one from the Fenland area and one from Norwich. Uh, so please welcome Rick Savage and Caitlin Ferguson. So thank you for joining us today. Thank um, you for inviting us. We <laughs> have two artists have backgrounds. Uh, one is a fine artist and illustrator, and the other one is an interdisciplinary artist. Is that, is that did I get that right? It sounds a bit snazzy, doesn't it? Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> uh, but today we're looking at. Uh, their use of videos as part of art and, and connecting with, with the audiences. And so, uh, Caitlin, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Uh, so, hello there. My name's uh, Caitlin Ferguson. So, uh, like you say, I'm based in Norwich, but I grew up in Peterborough uh, and have worked across the Ferns for many years. So, as an artist, uh, kind of work across different disciplines, uh, predominantly sculpture and public sculpture, printmaking, drawing, uh, and also participatory projects working with people of all ages. Uh, and then across all of my projects, they have an environmental focus uh, and sort of be- trying to better our connection with nature. Thank you. And uh, same to you, Rick. Uh, well, I'm a, an artist, illustrator. I, I do all sorts of funny things, really. Uh, I, I suppose my background's really in fine art, oil painting, acrylics, watercolours. But over the years, I've sort of branched out into all sorts of different things. I kind of wandered into publishing book illustrations. And that's really sort of the the journey it's kind of taken me. Do you have any um, artistic influences, people inspired you? Um, Many, really. I think it changes all the time, I'd say. I mean, my background is sort of fine art, formal training as well. I did my um, undergraduate degree in Norwich and my master's in Edinburgh. And across sort of both of those times, I really got influenced by a different sort of set of artists. Originally, I sort of draw a lot of inspiration from the land art movement of the 1970s, Mm. which saw in sort of America, seen artists like Nancy Holt, uh, Robert Smithson, James Terrell, taking art from what was in the in the white cube gallery space and creating large scale outdoor art installations, which were sort of open for people and completely reframed how uh, the environment was shown within an art context so i'd say that movement has really sort of continued to feed me um sort of over the years and and now i'm really inspired by artists uh, in particular sort of katie patterson who explores a lot of my work is about uh, deep time and that basically means the sort of planetary time scales of say 4.5 billion years of the earth um, and thinking about sort of time scales in terms of the planet as opposed to say human centric time of let's say if we're lucky we get a hundred year run <laughs> but sort of shifting yeah. society's viewpoint and thinking more about the planet and its whole cycles and someone like katie patterson really explores work in a really interesting way about deep time and also the cosmos so yeah lots of influences and rick have you got any influences yeah uh i it tends to be light driven uh Artists, people like Rembrandt, very, very influenced by Rembrandt's style. Uh, also, Joseph Wright of Derby. I, I just love the way they light the scene. Also, very influenced by cartoon artists, people like Ian Gibson, who was one of the illustrators on uh, 
uh, a comic that I used to read years and years ago, 2000 AD. Mm. He was doing characters like Judge Dredd and uh, and I, it just really massively influenced me in the way I uh, sort of launched into art. But I, I, I sort of kind of pick up artists and it, I, I kind of get a flavour of the month artist. There'll be the inspire. I, I never really liked the um, uh, Impressionists, but I, I, as much as I didn't like them, I keep delving back into them. So there's obviously something there that I do like, but maybe I'm, I, you know, just don't want to admit it. I don't know. But, and I think uh, as artists, you end up sort of collecting inspiration, yeah, not just from the arts, do you? Absolutely. You know, you're a bit like a magpie, you know, like how you're saying there, you know, with the cartoons. I think you, you're, you're always doing that sort of mental scrapbooking, aren't you, yes. of everything that's going on in, I, your, I, in your world. What a brilliant way of putting it. Yeah. It's, like, it's very much like music as well. It's, you mm. may have particular styles. You may not like everything that an artist has done, but there are sort of influences and in certain periods within their, their life that you think, oh, that's good. I can capture that. I can use that in my, my yeah. work as well. Yeah, no, very much so. How did your view of using video changed uh, when in your, your last project? Was it something that you'd wanted to do? before and hadn't really thought about it or is it a case of you you were asked to do it and you've gone actually this is quite an interesting medium i'll maybe use this again i know for me it's it's been quite a journey over the last year um initially before lockdown happened i'd never made any videos or really incorporated any sort of uh, video content or digital resources within my projects uh, and then at the beginning of lockdown, I think all of my projects were cancelled and postponed within the space of two days, yeah. which is, you know, the actual living nightmare for a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, once that sort of the dust settled, I was like, oh, this allows me an opportunity to upskill myself and to teach myself all that technical skills, which I just would never be able to find the time for normally because I'm constantly spinning plates across projects. So... I taught myself, I sort of got ahead of the wave a bit and taught myself the technology in, in shooting and editing videos um, and taught myself a series of digital design packages. And there was a lot of, you know, slightly firmly frustrated YouTube searches, you know, trying to fix some problems that I'd come across. But yeah. isn't that, you know, the best way to learn? And then as I think the sort of cultural sector shifted, um, and projects and, and commissions and open calls and uh, organisations who I had been working for then took their offering to online and asking artists to make videos I and, and other blended types of digital delivery. But I felt like I was a sort of, like I say, ahead of the curve a bit. So when I got up and running, I was a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, and now all of my projects that I'm running simultaneously are either... Uh, sort of remote digital delivery or um, digital resources or video content that I send out. So now I, I can't even remember not doing it, <laughs> as is the way. But I think as artists and often participatory artists, we're very used to being adaptive because you, you have to adapt to whoever comes in the room. You know, you have to always be on your toes and ready to go with people's interests and what's going on and, and the temperature of the room and, and what's and what's happening. Yeah. So I think our industry shifted quite quickly to adapt to the fact that delivery was going to be more remote. And now it feels like it's really ingrained in, in participatory arts and kind of working with communities. Yeah. 
I mean, I'll, I'll just say that um, as part of Marketplace, both artists uh, were asked to create a series of exploratory videos about their subjects or part of their, their subjects, their um, artistic skills. And Rick did one on book covers, designing book covers, and is exploring the fens, wasn't it? Art within the fens. Art in the fens, yeah, that was yeah. the project. Yeah, it was a bit of a culture shock. It is. It was not something I have ever aspired to do. I kind of active. Well, I was going to say actively avoided doing anything like that in the past. I mean, I have done one or two video projects over the years. I was part of a hospital television station back in the 80s and when faced with the fact that you hadn't got any work, you have to adapt pretty quickly. I didn't know anything about video editing or I knew roughly the sort of thing, but there's there's a, a, a massive leap from knowing a little bit about it to actually physically doing it. It was really very much a culture shock in, in, in a lot of ways. I did one or two Zoom uh, workshops and I, the, I think the thing I found it really difficult to get over was the lack of interaction. They were wanting to record the very first one that I did to use it for other the other bits and pieces as well. So everybody was else was on mute. So I had no feedback at all. So basically, I was talking to myself for two hours, yeah. which it was I mean, it was quite daunting. But if you're in, I mean. Caitlin, you know this. You're in front of a room full of people. You can see them nodding off. If you're getting a little boring, the body language is there. You can pick up on that and you either speed it up or chuck in a joke, uh, something just to pep it up a little bit. But... When you did, the only thing I could see on my Zoom screen was periodically the person who was conducting it. Their their picture came up. The rest of the time, I'm just looking at me, uh, and to stand stand staring at yourself for two hours is pretty daunting. Mm. So uh, it, it was it was a culture shock for me. I did enjoy doing the marketplace job though with the book covers. It made me look at things in a way that. It, when it's your job, you just do it. But when you're explaining to other people how you do what you do, I, I'd never really looked at the, the, the... I mean, I know the reason why we have book covers and the purpose of book covers, but I'd never really vocalised it. And it, that, that was really quite interesting and it helped me develop some of how I look at things now. Uh, but it, it, with the videos, video one, one and two was me preparing a script and reading it. Colin, thank goodness, uh, was very, very kind and came across and filmed it because I tried to do it on the iPad first and I was just doing it on the iPad and then editing it myself. I think Colin very kindly said, you're not doing yourself justice, which I think is very Colin of saying it wasn't that clever. Uh, so he very kindly came across and, uh, and videoed it for me and did the editing. So that I mean that was really very good at it, good of him to do. But video, by the time I got to video number three, which he also filmed, it was my the way I do things. It was showing me illustrate and putting a book cover together from start to finish. And for me, it felt an awful lot more natural because I was just talking about how I do my job. But it still feels very very strange. 
Yeah, I think we've all become being dragged kicking and screaming into the, the video yeah. presenting age. I mean, I, I can think back years ago, I would hate sitting in front of a camera and, and trying to talk and uh, it's it's not a natural thing. Certainly, with a certain a, a generation, you know, going back a couple of generations, this is a this is not natural to us. You know, we've had to learn how to be presenters and, and talk to um, to video. Whereas a lot of the the new the younger generation seem to lap it up, don't they? Well, they've been brought up with it. Yeah, yeah. Do you did you enjoy the? I know you said that you enjoyed the experience. Did you enjoy it overall? And is it something you would do again? It's. I mean, I can't say it was all, you know, sunshine and roses all the way through. There were definitely um, times I think that I found it sometimes hard and because because it was such a stark contrast from a matter of weeks ago, you know, from that start of lockdown, teaching or working with people in person. And that shift happened so quickly. And I think probably where I've struggled with it and I'm beginning to become a little bit more settled with it is without people being in the room like you say Rick is just that you miss that energy and actually that magic and and all those non-verbal signals and also when you can see people having successes or if they're struggling you're able to catch them in a moment because being creative is is and especially for people who perhaps aren't creative often that can often mean that they're they're quite vulnerable and when you're creating a creative space to make together you've really got to support sometimes you know people during that time and so being removed from them and having the barrier of the screen or whatever it is in between really can hinder that personable moment. Yeah. Um, and so some, to begin with, I was like, oh, am I just what, am I just a content designer? Am I just creating stuff and putting it out into the ether without knowing if it's landing for people? And then as as um, like I say, I think as as the uh, various organizations sort of caught up with what was going on. I think then it became a bit more, you became a bit more connected with your audiences um, and the projects I've worked on where you know how your audience is getting on or if you've had feedback or perhaps you're doing a video, but you're also sending out a physical pack, you know, so there's a connection, not just digital, but physical as well. And, and getting feedback and knowing when that's been successful with people has really helped me realise that there's still a really important role for artists. And if we can use technology um, when working with people, it can be a real benefit to actually connecting with a far wider potential audience than what we would be if we were in a room with people. So it's been it's been up and down, but I think I'm I would say I've settled on the positives of it now. Um, and now, like I say, I just use it all the time, so I don't probably bat an eyelid. I, I mean, it's mother is was it necessity is the mother of invention. Like when yeah. you like you say, Rick, like when you're forced to, you 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 just you, you need just to get in and do that. Yeah. I mean, I've done one or two uh, Zoom uh, workshops. I've been working with one family, and my technique has changed, has grown over over the time that I've been doing it with them. Um, there are there's one or two sort of bits and pieces that are kind of a show and tell moment. We 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 put, it's sort of like a paint along a rick that I do a bit of the painting and that they do a bit of the painting. But all our paint it started off with me working with a young girl and her mother was uh, just sort of in there as a responsible adult. And not that I would be a responsible adult under any circumstances. Uh, but uh, the mother enjoyed painting. So we had mum joining in with the daughter. And then her sister said, well, 
can't I join in? Because I want. So we're now doing it as a family project. But then, whereas I wouldn't normally, I normally go around and see people individually. But you need to create that on video or sort of on the on the screen uh, in a way that you you would do in the room, but it isn't natural on, on the video. So we have what I call show and tell moments. So we get them holding up their pictures to the camera, talking about what they like, what they don't like, if they've got any problems, what problems do they have, and maybe how we can sort of look to do it. And they were worried that their pictures didn't look necessarily like mine, but I made the point that they don't have to. If you get a dozen artists in a room, you're going to have a dozen different pictures. And that's that's okay, and it's natural. And it's it, handwriting, it, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, Rick, you talk about feedback. You know, you can see that, Caitlin. How did you find with your videos? Did you get an opportunity to get some kind of feedback or interaction with uh, some of the people that have been maybe watched the uh, videos? Um, it sort of depends, really, across the various projects that I've worked on. I know with the Art and the Friends videos, we worked to. Um, also connect with fascinating friends on Twitter so that when each week when we launched the video, we were also connecting to their network um, as a potential sort of audience base, people who had a shared interest in the friends and, and potentially would be interested in creating creative out outputs and responses to the friends in different ways through the videos. And it, it felt like the feedback that we got, that it was positive and that they were hopefully sort of small accessible um, tasks that people could do that didn't rely on formal arts training. Like you're so right, Rick, that it isn't like all that I do isn't um, any time of working with people. It's never about the outcome. It's totally about the process. Like it doesn't matter the thing you make it. There's no such thing as perfect and, you know, good art and whatever that is. It's about the process and, and, and being playful and experimenting with things. Um, and so I hope that, that that sort of playfulness and relaxed experimentation it sort of comes across and actually I think that's the sort of benefit of artists doing it rather than say formal tv presenters is it is a bit more personable it's more of a chat between two two people in a room over a cup of tea in a much more relaxed way so yeah hopefully that 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 was um, how the videos were received that's certainly how they came across Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you that fiver later. <laughs> well, I watched both of them, and they were really good. They were really good uh, videos. Uh, they were very engaging. And I have to ask Caitlin. Um, I was listening to another podcast, The Infinite Monkey Cage, and they had a lot of uh, paleontologists and um, geologists on. And one of them was talking about that tasting rocks is an, an important part on deciding or dis identifying the, the rocks themselves by the way the texture and the taste is, is that something that you've done uh, no I can say that is not uh, part of my sensory engagement in geology uh, but I'm always open to hearing uh, hearing interesting ways into exploring nature yeah they could they could identify specific types of rocks by the taste and the texture and the, the... maybe it's like iron taste yeah the salty taste or yeah yeah I was just just wondering if that was just right across the broad or just, just there. <laughs> That's a good tangent, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, just just moving away from the video side of it, just a bit more about you, yourselves. We're we're now sort of on the the anniversary of the the, the first lockdown, uh, which is is a surprising, you know, just how long that has been or how quickly the year has gone in some some respects. 
asking yourself, is this something that you've either discovered about yourself or is this something that you've learned during during this period? Oh, boy, straight at me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I suppose that I really miss uh, engaging with artists in sort of in real life, as it were, as opposed to on a on a, a screen, I'm, I can't wait. We, on the twelfth, we get to open the studio again, and I can't wait to get my artists back in here uh, and work with them face to face, even if their face is masked. Yeah. I want to be back in there talking and interacting with people. So I, I suppose I, I've learned that I, I do miss people an awful lot when. Uh, uh, it's okay to meet on the screen, but re- meeting in real life is very important too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I feel like time has taken, I mean, not my work's about time anyway, but time has taken on a completely different sensation. It's sometimes it's expanded. Like, you know, when you're saying it's been a year, that's a, it's a time of reflection, isn't it? And there's times where it's felt like this has been 10 years and it's times where it's felt like it's five minutes. It's completely shifted our um sort of conception of time and so yeah it's easy to look back on that i mean i think yeah just to to mimic that how just how much we took for granted say artists like conversation or just being in a room with say the people that you're working with i think that is going to be so exciting and buzzworthy kind of when it happens i think i've really taken away actual actually sort of how resilient artists are I mean, and the fact that we've had in our industry and in particular freelancers and self-employed people who are vulnerable at the best of times, yeah. that vulnerability has really been exposed and heightened. And actually, as a sort of cultural sector, like I say, we've been so resilient to overcome the uncertainty as you know, a lot of industries have been. But I think it's been really encouraging to see cultural organisations and individual freelancers weathering this story and still going and still creating really amazing content on platforms through through ways that they had never done before. So I think that's really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, obviously trying not to get too political, but certainly the, the, the arts have bear the brunt of quite a lot over the last 12 months and quite wrongly as well. There's, there's um, yeah, it's not a place to go at the moment. And I think also this is the time where we need the arts more than we've ever needed them. Yeah, you're right. For their therapeutic benefit, for their, you know, for, for children as we watch it being slowly uh, squeezed from curriculums, arts and working creatively provides children and people of all ages really great skills, not just in creativity, but in problem solving, of responding to a brief, of skills that you use across industries. And also it's good for the soul it's therapeutic you know it's so important to our sort of who we are you know humans as a species and i feel like we need it more than ever so artists stand in a really important place especially you know encouraging people to connect with creativity because it can have so many benefits also our our mental mental health situation absolutely we we been doing workshops and bits and pieces like that for groups with anxiety issues and it sort of kind of makes you think that whereas we're doing them for other people every now and again it's it's well worth taking that on board for ourselves that we uh, it's sort of like the the cobbler's children's always the worst shod that we although we understand the therapeutic value of art that how often do we as artists sit back and think that we really need to 
take that little bit of time for us and do art for art's own sake. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of us really have, have had that little bit of time to uh, to look at that and do it yeah, for ourselves. Yeah, to reflect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we like to do a, a challenge uh, issued by the, the artists uh, to, to give to the, the listeners, to give them something to do to, from different types of arts to encourage them to, to get in and explore. So, Caitlin, would you like to, to give us your challenge? Sure. So I've um, one of the aspects of lockdown that I've really enjoyed is going for walks, as many of us have been, and seeing nature change over the year. I know I've never been more so excited to see spring than I, than I have this year. So my challenge would be to a walk that you, if you're able to go out um, and go on it often, find some different creative ways to um, record the changes of it. I know that I, I walk a similar route, but I've really noticed, for example, like birds nesting now, and I've noticed uh, blossom coming out and little things like that. So whatever your creative medium is, maybe it's writing, maybe it's painting, maybe it's textiles or sculpture, whatever it is, perhaps on that walk, look out for changes and find ways to make creative responses to them in nature. Go on, Rick, have you got, have you got one? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wasn't really quite sure. When they were saying in the way of challenge, I wasn't really quite sure what to ask people to do. I mean, it one could be something chan- like a, a, a sketch or something that they can do and then they can put on social media and just show something, a particular type of... Okay, well, uh, perhaps something, draw something that kind of comes from within your personality in a drawing. Try and put something of you onto the paper, Some, the way you think, the way you, the way you want the world to see you, maybe. Or maybe what you don't want the world to see. Show what's actually inside. Uh, I think I think all of us are, are quite interested in doing something like that. I was going to ask, as we we're talking about video, and uh, maybe make this an additional challenge should you wish to. One of the hardest things that I found was when you're when you're put onto a microphone, they ask you to tell say who you are and what do you do. I would be very interested to throw that back at everybody else to see if you've got just one minute to talk about yourself and see what you say. Okay. Elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. All right. So if, if you do uh, decide to take up the challenge, um, you can put on social media and we've got the hashtag share local arts. Uh, we'll have that on the screen as well. Uh, share local arts and that's uh, so you can then share on twitter um, instagram or uh, facebook if you want and since it's videos yeah like you say maybe you can um, video the changes on your walks if you feel that like different types of art are a bit daunting maybe just recording the changes in different ways yeah. yeah, maybe we should get people to use video, Rick. That's what we should well, do. Well, I, I don't think yeah. 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 Like a series of changes, like a, a, cha- a short video of the changes that they've yeah. seen. Okay. okay. Thinking on our feet. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like it. Uh, Takeaway, something that they can, the listeners can take away from from this was a piece of advice that they can sort of encourage them to take up um, either using videos or just getting into art itself have fun enjoy yourself chill out have fun and relax I don't, I don't think I can cover more than that. It's exactly because <laughs> that's the best advice there is. Um, but yeah definitely that I think when it comes to video just to say that 
though it can be frustrating, if I can teach myself it, anyone can teach themselves it. Um, and there's so many great free resources out there. You know, for example, on YouTube, you could you can Google any question, you know, technical stuff. And there's loads of free software out there, let alone you can just film it on your smartphone and you can get great video editing software just on phone. So everybody can do it, you know, whether it's sort of small scale or big scale. And with creativity, just to go back to it again, that it's not about making perfect realistic things like I'm quite good say at drawing rocks but I'm not very great at drawing people that doesn't make me a bad artist mm. that just means I know what my visual language is and just to remember to be playful and to enjoy it and to experiment and I think the best bit of advice I ever was given by was uh, another artist that have artwork that perhaps you want to show to the world but I also keep a sketchbook that I keep for myself that no one sees. And so that's a personal space for my drawings that aren't going to be shared anywhere, that it's just something for me. And actually that's really therapeutic, just mm. making art for yourself for art's sake. Uh, so I'd say that is a good a good thing to have. Do you do, you do sort of like um, drawings every day? Is it sort of you try and get into the habit of doing something every day? Oh, it's definitely a muscle. Like it's, um, you know, the more that you do it, the more it kind of sparks it and, it Picasso said inspiration exists but it has to find you working mm. so even if you're staring at a white piece of paper and you're really daunted by that you know maybe it's doing a bit of sewing or maybe it's a bit coloring in or, or another creative activity can also once you kind of relax into that state of your brain I think it's a lot easier to then switch over to other creative ideas so sometimes you might need to be a bit tactical with yourself <laughs> um, but you know drawing challenges like that like you know a little drawing a day or a sketch a day that's an excellent way to just get that muscle memory going. Do you find uh, looking at other artist styles or just looking at um, pictures, say like on Pinterest or something, and just, just looking at a topic and just seeing what sort of sparks your interest and then sort of using composites from lots of different things, is that sort of a, uh, a way in? Yeah, definitely. But I think with that is also not to be too daunted by other people's work. I definitely know, for example, social media, I have to limit how much I'm looking at other people's work because that inner saboteur instantly, you know, can start and can, you know, think, oh, I'm, I'm not as good as everybody else. So I think taking that in a, a set amount of time and looking at other people's work, but in, you know, remembering to kind of step away yeah. and do what you do best as your own visual language. What would you say, Rick? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Also, you can, if you watch, look at too many other people's works, you, you tend to pick up their voice. Mm. In, in your work rather than keeping to your own voice uh, and I, I, I think doing your own thing Sometimes I, I also like the whole concept of doodling just sitting there while watching the TV and I've got, usually got a pad somewhere next to me and I'll be doodling at something or other while watching the TV or usually doing something uh, along those lines and I think it is that muscle memory that the whole just keeping yourself being creative. And it doesn't necessarily have to be drawing or painting, using photography or, or, or anything, really. Just just keeping the whole creativity thing going. Well, I think we're going to bring this to a, to a close. So I'd like to thank you for, for joining us today. It's been wonderful listening to your experiences and, and hopefully people can take, listeners can take something away from this. I would like to thank our two guests today, Rick Savage and Caitlin Ferguson. I'd like to thank Marketplace for supporting the show and join us next time when we are going to be looking we're looking at tech and music inspirations from tech and music next time so 
Until then, take care and see you soon. Thank you for joining me, David Johnson, and my guest today. The Art of COVID Chat podcast is a DMJ imagery production working with the Fenland Films Initiative and commissioned by Marketplace, a creative people and places project celebrating creative communities across Fenland and West Suffolk. Developed by Arts Council England and supported by National Lottery Funding, for more details visit cppmarketplace.co.uk. I hope you'll follow our podcast and we'll bring you more chat and news soon. Thank you for listening.